Welcome to another edition of the Raven Narratives. My name is Tom Yoder. And I'm Sarah Severson, and we're the co-producers of the Raven Narratives. We're in a new season, aren't we, Tom? That's right. Oh, it's exciting, <laughs> isn't it? Spring. 2017. Bringing forth. I know, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. <laughs> and we just had a Raven Narratives event uh, in March with the theme of trust. That's right. And the story you're about to hear was told by Joe Williams. Joe is an amazing person. We just loved getting to know him over the course of mm. doing the Raven narratives. He's yeah. a lover of almost anything but pickled beets. Can't stand him. <laughs> that, that, I, I can agree with him there. <laughs> <laughs> Not for you. Not for me. His bicycling and fly fishing outings provide him with experiences that he will put to paper in a mishmash of poetry and art that evokes the moment. He's also fearless in any cycling discipline and was once clocked at 55 miles an hour down the backside Holy of Mola's Pass smokes. north of Durango. That's fast. That is fast on a bicycle. <laughs> on a bike. <laughs> <laughs> His war with Parkinson's disease, a continual fight, has endeared him to the Southwest Colorado cycling community. He has a job, but insists on serving others with less, hoping to get off this world in good stead. Here is Joe's story. I was raised by perhaps the two meanest women on the face of the world. It's post-World War II, John Steinbeck, Grapes of Wrath, think about those people. Those were my people, except we were Irish and we had whiskey. I never saw my dad again after I was five. My mama said the whiskey took him away. That summer, she took the three kids and we went to Corpus Christi, Texas. It was hot and she dropped us off there. And I remember they had to drag me off my mama's leg as that car went around the corner. And my grandma Raggle, she spent every day taking an opportunity to denigrate my mother. But I knew my mom would come back. I had trust in that. Well, every night my grandpa would come home. He'd come in the front door, he's a driller. He'd come in and he'd scoop me up and he'd put me up close and I could smell crude oil in the crease of his neck. He'd go sit down and he'd have a big glass of whiskey, smoke cigarettes, till Grandma Raggle had his supper done and then after supper was done, he'd smoke another cigarette and she'd bring over a green melamine plate and it had peanut butter on it and butter and a big old jar of black sorghum molasses and a stack of white bread and Gram Grandpa would smooth that stuff out and make three pieces of bread, one for me and my two little sisters. And on the third night, we'd get to lick it. So we always called it peanut butter and lick. <laughs> well, one day, it was hot, and I heard a horn honk. And I peeked out the window, and I could see the green hood of my, grandma, of my mother's car. I hollered Mama, and I headed for the door. And my grandma headed for the door. And I got it open first, and I got my head through there and my shoulders. And she was pushing, trying to keep me from going out. And I got out. And I remember Mama throwed open that car door, and I leapt in there, and I got up on her lap, and my ass was on the horn, I guess announcing to the neighborhood that she had come back for me. Well, we're going to jump ahead now a few years. I'm 16 years old now. I got a new daddy. I got a new life. We converted to Mormonism. We live, at, we live out on the res, way out down south, about 120 miles. 
Life's pretty good for me. And into my life comes a new man. He's about six foot two, six foot three. His name is Sonny Green, Louisiana oil well driller. And he comes to my mom and daddy. He says, your boy's 16. He's old enough to work. I need a rig hand. I need somebody on the floor. And I promise not to get him hurt. And I promise not to get him killed. I told my mom, I'm ready. Let's go. So the next morning, 5 o'clock, I throwed my lunchbox down in the back of the pickup, and I rolled around the side door, and I pulled that door open. And the biggest cloud of sickly cigarette smoke rolled out. And I got ready to get in, and there's three grown men sitting on a bench seat. And there's just barely enough room for one cheek. And I grabbed that door, and I slammed her like that. And I cracked open the vent window over on the right side. And for the next four years, I smoked every cigarette they smoked. Well, we rode about an hour, so it's Pueblo Pintado. It's way down there, sort by Cuba. And it's just coming daylight. And you know how when it's just coming daylight, and, the, and, and you get that little band of white light? The Navajos call that white dawn. And then right after that, when the sun peaks, it goes, and the light comes at you. Well, we come over this hill, this rise, and out in front of me was this undulating sea of sagebrush. And it, was just, it just rolled. And out in the middle of it was a ship. It was the rig. It was orange and yellow. It had a 50-foot-tall white derrick. And it was filled with black, cold black pipe. Well, it drew me in kind of like that Ulysses fellow with them mariners. And we pulled up to it. And all I could do was stand at it. And I was bewildered. And, and, and I got out. And they threw a rag down on the ground. And I stood on that rag, and I took my clothes off, and I put my, my work clothes on. And the old man that had been sitting next to Sonny over by the driver come to me. His hand was like this. He says, son, i got to tell you three things. First of all, there's anything on this rig will and can kill you. Second of all, don't trust anyone. This is where I lost my hand. And the third thing he said is, Watch your ass. And so for the next four years, that man, his name is Ivy Tarver, was my guardian angel. If things went to hell on the rig, it kicked, something happened, I'd look up at Sonny Green, and I'd look at him, and he'd be just standing there still as could be, and I'd be watching his eyes. But who I trusted was Ivy Tarver. I'd look in those steely eyes of his. If they so much as twitched, I followed, and we were off, and we were gone. Well, the first day ended up as it should end up for a rookie. I was covered in crude oil, black, old black stuff down in Torreon country. And it was even in my boots. And they cleaned me up, and they were laughing. And they handed me a rag, and I washed my face with it. And as I come around the corner of the crease of my neck, I could remember my grandpa. Well, we got in the pickup. Sonny reaches down under the seat. He pulls out a pint of Jack Daniels unscrews that lid, throws it out the window, takes his hit, passes it down. Now, I told you I was a church kid, so the first day I didn't drink it. I passed it back. The second day, the fifth day, and along about the seventh day, I was getting pretty tired, and so I took a hit. The next day, I took a hit. The third day, I figured out I liked whiskey. Well, the things that I learned from those men was to trust them, that they were principled, that they were men of high moral ethics. They might not have been well-educated, but they understood the value of a human life and taking care of them. And they took me from a 16-year-old 
wild-ass man-child to the man you see sitting in front of you today. And I appreciate them greatly for that. Well, now it's 20 years later. I'm in my mama's house and laying over there on his deathbed is Sonny Green. And you might want to know how Sonny got in my mama's house. Well, I come home from school one day. I was about 18, and the whiskey bottle was sitting on the kitchen table, and I knew that my daddy had left. Well, Sonny came along, courted my mom, and married her. And for 20 years, they were together. He loved her. And now he's on his deathbed. And my mama is raging. She's only got about 10% lung capacity left. She's fucking pissed. She hates God. She hates Sonny for dying before she's going to die. She hates the world. And she hates that oxygen regulator that I cannot turn up enough to give her enough air for her to breathe. And I go over and sit next to Sonny. I sit down next to him. Like desperados waiting for a train. The day before he died, I went to see him. I was grown and he was almost gone. We sat us down and we dreamed us up and all well. We talked about them days that was long gone. We talked about going on a fly fishing trip to Montana that we talked about for a whole summer. And we couldn't go. Two days before, Mama said, Sonny, you can't go. I need you here. And Sonny said to me, boy, I love your mama. I'm going to stay home. Sonny asked for his false teeth. Mama brought him over. She stuffed the bottom plate in and he yelped. And she got the top plate and when she stuffed it in, he yelped and he cringed and I stood up and I said, Mama, don't you hurt Sonny Green. Don't you hurt Sonny Green. And she turned on her tail and she went over and she called the chief of police. She'd worked for him for 20 years. Pretty quick, here come the chief's car. Two red and whites behind him, they're flashing lights. He come up on the porch and I had the power of attorney papers. We met and I talked to him. He took the papers, called the district attorney. DA told him what he needed to know, handed him back and I said, I won't be long. And I went back in and asked my wife Jan, call hospice. And I sat down with Sonny and I called his daughter. My mama wouldn't let his own kids come to see him. And I sat there and I looked over on the mantle. And I saw his hard hat that we'd worn all those years ago. I pulled it down and I put it up close and I could smell crude oil again. And I told Sonny goodbye and I told him I loved him. And I walked out that door with Miss Jan, my wife, and I walked straight down to his pickup and I raised the, the camper shell and I reached in there and I willfully stole his fly rod and his fishing vest. <laughs> and then I got in a car and of course I had a police escort out of town. Now I don't know if you guys ever had a police escort out of town, but I certainly have had one all lit up and we went out of the little town of Bloomfield and we got to the top and I gave them a wave and they turned back and we went home and 
A few days later, Sonny died. And I drank some whiskey. The next day I drank some more. The next day I drank a lot more. And along in a week or so, there come a letter from the attorney. I opened her up, and all it said was disownment. And in that moment, I was never so proud of myself for trusting one man with the man that gave me the life that I have today. So that summer, I took my two sons, and we took his fly rod, and we went to Montana. We fished every river that he had ever dreamed of, and every night we hung his fishing vest on a wire on the back of the station wagon, and we filled the pockets with mementos of that day. We filled every pocket save one. And in that pocket, there sits, never to be opened, a pint of Jack Daniels whiskey. Thank you very much. Thanks so much to Joe for that story. You can pitch your story for the next Raven Narratives and hear more on our website at ravennarratives.org. Yeah, and you can also check out our podcasts on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. You can also leave comments there if you want and make sure and share those podcasts with friends because they'll appreciate you more for it, right? That's right. That's yeah. being a good friend. That's being a good friend. Sharing the Raven narratives. <laughs> <laughs> and don't forget to check out our photo gallery, amazing photos taken by McCarson Jones of Red Scarf Shots in Durango, Colorado. They are just a beautiful capture of our wonderful storytellers, going back all the way to the very first stories we did here. At the ah, Raven incre- she got on board right away. Yeah, she does great work. You can check out more of her photography and her services at redscarfshots.com. And as always, Raven Narratives is a production of KSJD Community Radio, and we're located in Cortez, Colorado. You can check us out at ksjd.org or stop on in if you want, if you're in Cortez. Easy for you to say. Yes. <laughs> Corner market. <laughs> I work here. We have a tiny little airport you can fly into. <laughs> we do. We Come do. on by. <laughs>